Welcome to Unapologetic Leadership. I am your host, Dr. Marcus Beelan. I am a principal, a father of three, a husband, and I am driven by my passion of educating young people. The goal of this podcast is to expose the listeners to practical concepts and ideas through the lens of practitioners who are doing the work every single day for kids. You see, we as educators make decisions for our kids and our staff. And if we make decisions that we believe are in the best interest of our kids and our staff, we should be proud, we should walk tall and be unapologetic in our leadership. Topics such as diversity, equity and inclusion, school culture, student voice and leadership experiences are among some of the content you will hear. This is just honest and truthful conversation. These messages are meant to be impactful for those who need it as well as those who are put into positions that impact the lives of young people. It's time to strengthen the pipeline for educators. It's time to dismantle systemic issues and bolster school culture where our youth are seen and heard in the learning environment of their schools. So let's begin to explore and journey through unapologetic leadership. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. What's up, listeners of Unapologetic Leadership, man? I am back, as you know, for another episode, and I'm going to keep the fire going, man. This has been an awesome winter season. Uh, The podcast has been rocking and rolling, and uh, this episode ain't going to sell you short either. I am on with... Uh, Dr. Gerard Phillips, senior principal in Delaware, elementary principal, a brother, a, a, a guy that is just, he's new in the in the school leadership, just uh, about a year or so in, uh, just completed a year, uh, just started a podcast himself, the Squad Builder podcast, uh, really focused on building and maintaining highly effective teams. Um, and that's the highlight reel that I'm going to give, but I'm going to kick it over to uh, to my brother, Dr. Phillips Sr., uh, can you go ahead and let the listeners know who you are, what you do, and where your passion lies, and, you know, and let's rock it. Hey, I'm glad to be on, Dr. Beelan. Um, Like you said, Dr. Gerard Phillips, I'm a uh, elementary principal in uh, Delaware, and I, I started my principalship in June of 2021, um, and I was an AP in the same building since July of 2018. So as uh, before before leadership, I was a dean of students for a couple of years. Um, before that, I was a math teacher. I was one of the ones I, I really liked the classroom. Like if something somebody dropped me back in a classroom, I could just, you know, run with it. Um, it wasn't all about, you know, some people getting leadership that mindset. I got to get out of the classroom. I got to get out of the classroom. That that wasn't me. I just knew that in order, once I got on Twitter and started connecting with people, I just, my mindset shifted. Like, I know if I want to actually make some systemic change and at a bigger level, I need to keep moving up the hierarchy. But um, as a leader, I just, I'm all in it for the kids. I'm all in it for teachers. And, and I just, I, I lead it a little differently. What I do, I just, I listen to uh, Principal Kefele and a lot of other leaders like Adam Welcome, and I take bits and pieces of all their leadership styles and the nuggets they drop, and I just, you know, make it my own to fit my personality. Yeah, that's what's up, man. So, so elementary, man. <laughs> you, 
everybody has a level in which they go in and they like, yo, this is the sweet spot. For me, I love high school kids, man, because sometimes I feel like, hey, you can just talk to them the way that you need to. Elementary, I, I got three little ones, man, and I'm just like, whoo, I need a little bit of a break. Uh, my wife always tells me I can do elementary, but uh, high school is where I'm at. So talk about elementary. You could do elementary. I, I, you, yeah, I know. Go ahead. Everybody go ahead. Lay it on thick, right? <laughs> Uh, why, why elementary? What, what's, what gives you the passion for, for the little ones? Well, I actually kind of landed on my lap. Like I always was a middle school guy. So I was like, you, I was secondary. That was where my, my classroom experience was, where my Dean of students experience was, as well as, um, my first two years as an AP, but the, the district I was in, um, it's a district where the population wasn't growing. So I knew no new schools was going to be built. I know that current principals weren't going to be going anywhere. So, and uh, it landed me in my current district and I knew they were growing and still and building, building schools. And I'm like, I got, I got to get in on the ground floor. So I need to make a transition there. And the only thing opening that district was elementary. So I figured I got love for kids. Uh, I'll try it. So it was a learn, it was a learning curve. Uh, but as an instructional leader, you know, good teaching is good teaching, but the the littles are definitely different um, because, you know, the older kids, you can have that different level of conversation with them uh, and just knowing you can at the older, like you said, at the high school level, you know, kids start talking about college, you can really have an impact in those conversations, whereas elementary, it's all about, you know, teaching and reteaching for my level, reteaching and teaching expectations and just building, trying to build that foundation for the next level. But the good thing about my secondary experience, and I know uh, sometimes me and my teachers and my leadership team, we kind of go back and forth because a lot of people only had elementary experience. Well, I'm in the building where I got secondary, and I'm always, I always got to educate them about certain things that we that we do at elementary will still be good at secondary. So if I was to go back to secondary, I would still use some of those same things. However. There are some things we do at elementary where I see now why we were getting the issues out of students and parents um, at the middle school level and the high school level because that K through five was done totally different. That approach was done differently. So I have to educate, you know, my elementary folks on, hey, this is what it's going to be looking like at the secondary. So fourth, fifth grade, we need to start having these type of conversations or start changing these type of mindsets because they always talk about that transition from, yeah. from elementary to middle and how yeah. some students struggle. It ain't always the kid's fault. As an elementary educator, you know, sometimes it's our fault because we're not we're not foreseeing it. And I know we have some convert. I know I have teachers that had conversation like, well, if the if the middle school knows that this works for us, why don't they create this? I said, I can't get in all that. They're not going to. I'm just telling you, they're not going to. So knowing that they're not going to recreate the wheel, what can we do at the upper grades differently to prepare them? Because it's not about what we think or what the middle school thinks. It's about what these kids need. Man, that's, yo, that's deep. That's loaded, yo, because <laughs> <laughs> that's the conversation. Uh, that's the conversation that that a lot of people have is we, we there are often times where school levels, districts, uh, depending on if you're a unit district like me, or if you are a district where like you go to your elementary school and then everybody leaves and they go to their middle school and everybody leaves and they go to their high, you know, and, and we we have to stop creating 
silos in which education happens, right? Elementary, yep. and my wife gets after me all the time. I'm gonna be honest, she, <laughs> she elementary. She has been elementary since she started. And she all, she was like, I never understand the high school. I'm like, I don't understand the elementary school, right? Like, and And so understanding the foundation, right? Kindergarten through fifth grade, like our foundational pieces to get kids to be able to perform and do better and know themselves as learners, at the sixth through eighth grade, then they go to the high school, but it's all vertical. They move from one grade to the next and they utilize the skills uh, and the mindset that they have. And so if you, if you create that foundation that's strong enough with like that began with the end in mind, right? Like if you know where they're going to go as a, as a senior in high school and know what's expected at that level, then why can't we start having those conversations and start preparing them you know, with those skills at the elementary level. So I'm glad that you uh, you brought that, you know, to the forefront. And you and was, a, I want to add one thing. You was a high school principal. You would know this very, very, like you would, as soon as I start talking about it, you'll be like, yep. Cause I remember at the middle school, like you run into either academic or behavioral issues at the middle school. And yeah. then the parent is adversarial with admin. Like it's you guys. They never had this problem elementary. Did it? And then when you talk with elementary people, they're like, yeah, they did, but it was nowhere documented. And I'm not all about a paper trail on kids. However, what I am about is what needs to be documented needs to be documented for the simple purposes of vertical articulation and alignment where the next level will know, okay, this is a challenge. And it can be something as simple as, okay, if if you got a student from third, fourth, fifth grade, he's always known for... Putting, let's say putting his hands on another student. Like it could be the, like the, the, the goofing off, like the horse plan or whatever. We know in middle and high school, that horse plan will lead to fights. Uh-huh. So when that first time happens in middle or high school and Dr. Beelan, Beelan calls the calls the parent, now the parents on the edge like, what are y'all doing at school? They messing with my baby. He never had his problem at the other school. Uh-huh. And then when you talk to the elementary principal and they're like, yeah, he was putting his hands on people all the time. You're like, yo, but it wasn't documented. It wasn't, yeah. And, and that, you know, the fact that you mentioned that, man, is it is is key. Uh, it takes it takes me back to a, a story, man. I had a kid, uh, I had a kid who dropped out um my like right before the pandemic. It was my second year, and I was doing everything I can, man. He was uh, a a little black boy here in 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 Huntley, Illinois. Uh, you know, predominantly, I mean, the area is predominantly white. All right, my percent, my population of black students is two percent, right? You know what I mean? I feel you, I feel you. And so, I felt coming in as a new principal, I'm like, okay, I'm a black principal, I got a kid who's black who's struggling, and the stuff he was struggling with was stuff that I dealt with in high school, right? It was race, it was that 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 impact of. Uh, you know, acceptance and wanting to be a part of, and he just, he didn't find those groups and the kids that came at him sideways, um, you know, really kind of held him down. And so I, I tried to engage in conversation with him. And then I started seeing some of these behaviors come out and I'm just like, yo, like, where did that come from? And I'm trying to create this connection with him. And I think he was there because we started to click. And then all of a sudden he dropped off the face of the earth. And I'm like, well, where is he? I'm driving to his house. I'm like, I'm on my way to district office for a meeting. His house is on the way to district office. So I took the detour. I'm, yo, I'm not going to go. Hey, you here? Like I'm, 
I don't even need you to get to school right. I just need to check to make sure you're good because I thought things were great and something seemed to be off. And I'd see him. He'd peek out his window. He'd see me. He'd give me a thumbs up thumbs and then up. he'd keep it moving. And then all of a sudden that stopped. And then eventually he dropped out. And I and I haven't heard from him since. But I looked at, I was trying to do all the research. And this gets to the point of the, the, uh, the documentation. I looked at the research on him. I look in our school information system. I go all the way back to kindergarten. I can see he's been to the nurse. I can see here and there. First through third grade, he had all academic. It was all of his test scores. It was all of the stuff he was doing in class, how he was excelling here, how he was getting extra help here. And then fourth grade, the behavior started. And you saw one behavior entry, you ain't see nothing else. And then mm. behavior, fifth grade, behavior, sixth grade, behavior, seventh grade. And it was the outlash from all of the stuff that he was talking about with race and the stuff he was dealing with, the stuff he was trying to get connected with, but couldn't. And I didn't see any academic stuff. You know yeah. what I mean? And and so for him, I know why he dropped out. I know why he left because he felt like I've been doing this for years and nobody gave to me what I was able to get. And maybe there were people who were, right? I, I don't know because it wasn't documented enough for me to know. But there were other people who were like, yeah, nobody looks like me. Nobody can understand the challenges that I'm going through. And then, you know, he, he like I said, dropped off the face of the earth, man. So documentation mm, is key and it's not for it the is. sake of it's not for the sake of trying to peg a kid um you know and 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 put them on a tracking system it's all about how do you tell the story to help the next teacher yes. not fall into the same situation that they fell into like learning from other mistakes or what interventions have you tried what conversations have you had with the parents what conversations have you had with kids and now that you talk about it at the elementary level when they get to the high school, I want to be able to look back at elementary records and be like, all right, they tried all of this. How can we do this? Or what can we do differently um, to even give hope to a family? You know, so I, I'm going to hop, off, I'm gonna hop off my soapbox on that, man. But that, no, that's that story, deep. man, that story, man, hit me because uh, it's important uh, for us to recognize as educators that the, the the system that we create, sometimes we fail our kids Bingo. Not not intentionally, but we fail our kids because it's those little things that, yes, they do take extra time, but it's time that's needed because it creates the story that help us to determine what we need to do to help our kids be successful. I like how you brought up that. And, you know, this is a good a good way to go, because when you're looking at that, if you even seen some academic stuff, you could have seen, man, he was killing it first through third grade. He was always on grade level. Now, fourth through seven, why not? What changed in the house? Like, even little stuff like that can really start making your mind, like, even though there's, if there's no narrative, that's a narrative in itself when you see, it's like a kid was in love with school, and then why would the struggle from fourth to seven? Like, what happened? Yeah. The the other thing is, is, is it's not just the academics and the behavior. When we talk behavior, like, let's, let's, cast a net let's talk about social emotional behavior right the 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 shifts and the the challenges that kids go through because it's a lot more evident now the schools that are are doing um uh, social emotional screeners and social emotional check-ins with kids and uh how can we utilize that data to be able to see what's happening in their life i'm gonna I'm throw another piece of data out there like that that i kind of look at too because when i do class rosters at elementary school 
um, all my class roster done by hand. Like I don't do the oh. drop them in the drop them in and let the generate. Nah, we gotta we gotta place kids with the teacher that's just for them because every teacher got their strengths, every teacher got their weaknesses. So why set both parties up for failure? Mm-hmm. So if like the young man you're talking about, if you look and you see that he has some good years in school, and then he has some bad years, and you see that this young man's bad years always was when they had a male teacher. His first year in my school, I'm probably not gonna give him a male teacher. Uh-huh. I'm probably gonna, uh-huh. I might get him a male mentor to ease him into it because I know throughout ninth through twelfth, I can't probably get away with him not never having a male teacher. But if I can ease him into it, and you know ninth grade, if I can have him give him all women teachers, but also I'm gonna connect him with a male mentor and let's see what the what the problem is with him and male authority figures or or male male educators. And then that that mentor and that that leadership team might be able to get to the bottom of, oh, in second grade, you know, dad left home. And then third grade, he had a male teacher. That male teacher reminded him of dad and it just went down south. Like like so many different layers to trying to meet each individual kid's needs. Yeah. And and the key part of this is the transition, right? Like we talked Mm -hmm. about fifth to the fifth to sixth grade transition, the the eighth to ninth grade transition. And then the focus of how do we get these kids to be prepared for life post high school, right? Yes. Like I'm getting ready to enter or we entering into the second semester here and I only got a few more months with my seniors, you know, and, and some of them are going to go off and do great things. Some of them are like hanging on for dear life of like, man, what's going to happen when I graduate on May 20th? Like, all right, am, am I ready for this? And they, you know, they get nervous. But those transition years, it's it's three big transition years. It's, it's well, four. It's going into kindergarten. Yep. Fourth to fifth grade. Yes. Eighth to ninth grade. And then high school and into the real world. High school into college or workforce or armed services, whatever. But um, we got to be critical on those, man. And, and, uh, you know, I'm glad you brought that, that up, um, man. So talk a little bit about, uh, uh, just, just your structure. Like you came into the, the, into the role, like you had some experience in the school, you moved into, uh, being a principal, like kind of right after the big hit of the pandemic, right. You still were able to experience once you hopped in, how did you begin that journey of setting up a, a, a culture um, where your values and your mission and your vision of what you believed as a school leader was going to help, you know, your school move forward after a pandemic? How did you how did you do that? How did you formulate that thought in your mind? So it was um, I had to come in there with a with a positive mindset and then also as well trying to show teachers that, you know, I value after everything we've been through, I value you as a person, as a mom, as a wife, as a dad, as a husband before you as the educator, because the pandemic told us that this is just stuff. So we got to we got to take care of each other. So I think that was I think that was the first thing. And then the second thing, too, was because we had, you know, before the pandemic, we we got into a cycle of, you know, SEL and everything is good. However, I think we started getting to a cycle of education of we were we weren't keeping, you know, 
academics at the forefront of how we should have with embedding everything else. It was like, okay, we're, we're doing restorative practices. You know, we're teaching this class. We're doing social emotional learning, but it's like, okay, restorative is for the discipline team. SEL is for our counseling team. And then teachers were looking like, okay, I just want to teach. I just want to get back to normal. And it's like, nah, there is no getting back to normal. Yeah. So that was, that right there was a, a struggle for me of this. Like that was a daily productive battle between my leadership team and my teachers, because no, we got to be all encompassing you know, if students got to talk it out, that may, you know, if something happened at recess and, you know, you're about to roll back into math, you just can't call my interventionist or my AP and be like, hey, something happened between Gerard and Marcus at recess. They're usually best friends. I don't know what happened, but can y'all go, can y'all come and can you come and, and pull them and talk to them? Because I really got to get into this math lesson. Like we were, we were starting to run into that. And I'm like, nah, like what needs to happen before you dig into that lesson, circle them kids up and have a conversation like, hey, I don't know what happened at recess, but I know y'all are normally friends. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to give y'all a chance to cool off and then I'm going to let y'all talk and I'm going to facilitate the conversation. But we're going to talk as a class of how we have to move on, but yeah. we're still going to um, revisit this, this, this situation because we don't need it affecting you for the daily process rather than you know, expecting everyone outside the classroom to do it. So that that one value, my main thing was that relationship building. We got to get back to reacquainting with kids because it was that battle of, I want to get back to normal, but the kids wasn't letting us get back to normal. I didn't want to go back to normal. As a as a black man that came up in the system, I like the the way we did education didn't always work for me. Yeah. Yeah. And and that whole idea of getting back and going back. We don't take backward steps, right? Like, yeah. You know, it's always it's always moving forward. Um, no, you know, think, and, and go ahead. No, I think another thing with the culture too was they had always seen me as assistant principal, and it's a big difference when you're the assistant principal and the principal when everything stops with you. So, establishing myself as the principal, and me and my um me and my principal who moved on to district office have a great relationship. But we're two different people. Uh -huh. So a lot of the things that we had in place, I just kept in place because it was great work. But certain parts of my personality, I couldn't do the things she did because that's not me. And that's not who I wanted to be as a leader um, in certain areas. So setting that tone, um, setting that tone was uh, was a challenge. And it, it really showed me that everybody just wasn't all in on me and my AP, which I was fine with, but it's like, I want you to be happy. And if I'm not the leader for you, I'm fine with that. It's nothing personal, but I'm trying to evolve as the leader that is going to take kids and teachers to another level in the future. I'm not trying to be the leader of old um, five, 10 years ago. So I'm just, uh, this is what, this is who I'm going to be as a leader because of all the research, the reading, the connecting with other leaders that have done it at a high level. I, I'm, I'm picking and choosing everything from them and I'm trying to make it myself. And I'm seeing that we can do some great things and be the best in this state, but I can't, I can't be the, I can't have the school having the best teacher and the best kids in the state. If you expect me to be like leader from five, 10 years ago. And that, yeah, that was a struggle. <laughs> yeah, because five, 10 years ago, you weren't in the seat to be able to make those decisions, right? Nope. Like now you have the, you got 
what I call the keys to the kingdom, man. Like you, you are in a space that um, you can make the final decision. And yes, the final decision rests on your shoulders, but being able to share that leadership, being able to uh, connect with everybody to say, hey, we're going to do this together. Right. And we're doing it in the best interest of kids. At the end of the day, are we going to agree on everything? Mm -mm, we won't. Um, I uh, <laughs> always heard, always heard getting in, into the leadership, man, of like the 80 20. If you get 80% of the people to to uh, to be good and to rock with you in the role, they're going to be 20% of those people that don't like the decisions or, you know, like the things that you do or feel like they could do it better. But it's still, it's only 20%. And it's okay because I don't, I don't want 100% of everybody to agree with me. I want exactly. somebody to walk into a meeting and be like, <laughs> I think we should do this differently. Okay, why? Uh, my APs are good at that, man. They, they, I, sometimes I, hop on my uh my creative journey and i'm just like yo we should do they like marcus no <laughs> that um uh can you come back that's not that's not gonna work well why isn't it gonna work well because of these things and this stuff that i would have just never thought of but they also have been there 14 17 and 20 years in that building and i've been there five <laughs> right so they know some historical perspective so i think to add to your part of you're not going to be the leader five to 10 years from now, that doesn't necessarily mean that what you have or what was old is not valued in terms of how we're going to move forward. It's just so we don't go back into doing some of those same practices. I like how you brought up historical. I had it right there, historical perspectives, because a lot of times outside of this principal chair, people don't realize that. And this is for any future leaders listening. Your core team of APs, and your top tier teachers, 85% of the time, the things they bring to you, they they write on the money. On the money. It, it's just a fact of, are you going to bring it to me? Or is it going to be a negative piece where you're talking with the teacher across the hall and it turns into negativity? And then like a month later, when they finally say something where they got five or six people rired up and it's like, teacher A, if you had told me that a month ago, I would have said, come in my office, sit down with me and my AP and, and let's let's see how we can make that a reality because you're absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> Teachers don't realize a lot of times they have some great ideas. Mm -hmm. They just got to be upfront and vulnerable with the leader behind closed doors, not grandstanding about it because the leader be like, oh, like you just said about your AP. Oh, yeah, y'all right, y'all right. I do it all the time. <laughs> and, and, and it's okay, man, like, I when I got in, when I got into the role, man, it was, I I have three hundred and twenty three people that help my building run every single day, and Ooh. from teachers to custodians, food service, you know. And then when I count my bus drivers, I'm I'm close to five five hundred five fifty, right? Like how many, how many kids you got in your building? Three thousand. Woo! Yeah. Oh yeah, man. We rocking. <laughs> <laughs> so when people are like 3,000, I'm like, yeah, what's 4,000? What's, you know, well, why not? Um, wow. It It is, it's all about systems at the end of the day. But what's valued is if you got an idea, I've always told myself, like, man, my door is open. Like, come and just give me a thought. Even if it's like, hey, I got an issue I'm going to bring forth cool like come with a possible solution as well or some and even if you don't have one it's okay to just voice it um because some of that stuff man i i have no problem with taking and being like yo let's try it because i'm all spent 
My APs are spent. My deans are spent. My department chairs, we spent. We've been sitting and talking about this forever. Um, I, I, I think what people are hesitant in doing is um, they don't want to share some of the good stuff that happens uh, mm. because it's always like, oh, well, you know, I, I don't want people to look at me like, oh, you're doing too much. I don't want people to look at me and be like, oh, they always trying to be extra. It's like the teacher across the hall that got their bulletin board ready before the first day uh, of teacher institute. And they they got all this this stuff and their classroom set up and they got the newest thing. They got the newest tech. And it's just like, oh, you're doing too much. Can you just can you tone it down a little bit? Like <laughs> <laughs> those good ideas, I don't want you to tone down because it has a, a great impact on a school culture and a community. And if we're all about building and building together, uh, then we got to do it together. We got to have those conversations together. So regardless of where you sit in your building, regardless of what uh, uh, what you do in the building, the the vantage point in which you have has value. Um, and I think people need mm. to hear that on a regular basis, man. So I'm glad you were able to, uh, to kind of unearth that a little bit. Um, you over there writing i'm sitting over here taking notes we like <laughs> <laughs> man that vantage point of where you sit has value man i'm i'm i'm, I'm using that yeah yeah <laughs> i'm using does, that man. doc it does man go ahead share that um uh man so so talk about um a, a little bit of, of voice because i i want to transition just a little bit into uh you know when we say your the, the vantage point you have has value your voice also has value um, so talk about spaces in which you've created, you know, student voice, uh, teacher voice, or even community voice um, to help in the decision making of your building. So when it comes to, I'll start with teacher voice. Um, when it comes to teacher voice, I try to make sure that anything that's pertinent that when I go to my principal's meetings or principal PLCs or whatever case may have you, I try to make sure that that most pertinent stuff. I push down to my um, instructional leadership team. And that's my, you know, of course, my APs on there, my instructional coach. Each grade level has a team leader. And then between LA math, social science, and related arts, each one of them has a department leader. So I make sure that instead of me always getting information to teachers, I give that over to them. Like, hey, make sure your teams know this. That. So that way they, they kind of have a voice in the way they want to filter that communication out or either speak up for their team or what they can say. Cause I know it might be, you got people on the team that's going to be shy to come talk to the principal or the AP, but allowing those leads to have a voice and being able to have that open door conversation. As far as students, that's, that's kind of, that's my easy part. Like I just try to create a climate where kids can come to me about anything or any of my, my leadership team, like, Hey, we think this or that. Um, I even had started a, uh, with the new with my newsletter, I even started a, a podcast component, but I got to get back to that because we had been able to do it like a month with some some Fridays off and just um, my one AP transitioned to another role. So I was down to AP for uh, for over a month. So that kind of hindered. But little ways like that to give students voice um, community. I know a lot of people are going away from PTAs, but I have a awesome PTA president and vice president who are very connected in the community. 
um, especially on especially on there, like those community web pages where like neighborhoods had them. So like they'll they'll tell me stuff that they're seeing on there and things that we could do. It's mainly mainly all positive, but sometimes might be some questions on there. Like, hey, Gerard, I see that they're on there asking questions about like you know busing and this and that. And even though some of those things might be some district office level things, I try to triage that anything I can do to keep off of their plate. Um, and that helps them to leave me alone. <laughs> but <laughs> um, anything to get parents in the building, like uh, it was funny, like our cafeteria doesn't have a lot of space. So we had our Ed showcase, which was um, a day in a district where every building has to do something to, you know, allow parents in to see things going on. And, you know, at elementary, most parents want to eat, eat lunch with their kids, but we don't have the space for it. So I had a couple had a couple of parents to try to sneak in there. But, you know, some of the people that was in there was all uptight about it. I, I found it hilarious. So the one mom, I was like, OK, I was like, I'm, a, I'm like, when you go in there, um, I was like, I'm not going to kick you out now, but just, you know, stay in there with your daughter, go through the line with her, whatever, see her to her seat, then. I was like, Don, I'm gonna need you to leave or whatever. But I said it nicely and I got a good relationship with her. So about 10 minutes go by, I see she's still in there. So I'm going, I'm like standing, hovering over, you know how you do the hovering thing. So she's like, hi, right, Doc, listen, I'll leave, I'll leave. So she ended up leaving. So I sent her an email later. It was like, hey, I was like, um, I, I was like, uh, I just want you to know, I really wasn't upset. I actually found it very funny and very good that parents didn't want to leave the building because that means that we're commit we're creating something that is contagious that y'all don't want to leave. And I was like, thank you for being the parent that you are. And always, and I because I, I got a kick out of that attitude. She had attitude like, hey, I ain't leaving until Dr. Phillips kicked me out. So I was like, me and her, <laughs> that was me and her little fun banter back and forth. So when I sent her the email, she was like, oh, thank you so much. And like that, like that, that right there. Like non-verbally, she showed me that the community wants to get back in and eat lunch as much as possible or even just be a part. So I was like, and I messed with her. I said, hey, I'm taking cafeteria. I'm taking cafeteria duty, volunteers all day long. Come in any day. She's like, you real money. Yep. I'm like, you want to eat with your daughter? Come in and volunteer in the cafeteria. So like little ways like that, just using my personality and the relationships mm -hmm. I built to get their voice. Like her and the other mom that was in her, they didn't come out and say it, but I could tell by the way they didn't want to leave. And just some other questions that they were asking. I'm like, okay, next for next year, what structures or things got put in place? Even if it's during good weather and I got to get some picnic tables and stuff and have them eat outside since we don't have the space inside. But they they non-verbally, just by their actions, showed me that they're probably not the only ones that want to get back in the building and eat with their kids. Man, <laughs> <laughs> that's legit, man. Like just... It's all it's all about being intentional of creating space, right? Yep. Like creating the spaces that matter and 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 where voice matters. Um, one of one of the the taglines we've had, like everybody comes up with a new theme every year. Like you know, when you get ready to start school, it's like, oh, what's the school theme? Elementary, y'all y'all be rocking it out, man. Y'all get a full <laughs> building theme going, and y'all rock with it the whole year at the <laughs> high school. Level. I'm just like, what are we gonna do to maintain? Um, yeah, because elementary uh, kids don't elementary kids don't call nothing corny. No, like I, no. Like I can do almost anything. Like nothing's gonna be corny. <laughs> yeah, at the high school level, they like that. This dude just and and then you be, you publicly shamed on social media if you do something corny. You know what yeah. I mean? And so I've tried to normalize that because there's times where like I'll do stuff for kids, man, and I'm just like, yep, it's gonna be a little crazy. Y'all want to meme me and put me on social media? Hey, I welcome it. Come on, bring it on. Bring it on. <laughs> 
nobody has nobody wants to take that challenge on because they like they don't want to be the only person because they know I'm I'm good at it uh as well. But um <laughs> love but it. That our our hashtag is you matter, uh, and you matter in so many different ways, right? Like in validating kids and how they feel within the community, uh, the school community, how their voice is valued, how what they do is valued and it matters, who they are as people, it matters. But it also extends to our families um, and that their voice and who they are matters. I we say it all the time on the on the political side, like 69% of your taxes come straight into my doors of the building. Yep. Right. And so I owe there it go. financially. I owe it to you. And I'm a taxpayer, too. Like I live in the community in which I work in. And people That's think awesome. I'm crazy with with the building as large as I am. People are just like, do you ever get time? When I go to Jewel, I'm going to say, hey, and I'm going to keep going, even if it's 11 o'clock and I got my hood up. I just want to grab a couple things and I'm back out. But <laughs> I, I find it value in, in trying to create those spaces. And I think, you know, um, whether it's at, at, in the Jewel checkout line, getting some feedback, you know, from a parent or if it's bringing them into the building or even just like you said, extending that conversation uh, to an email to just say, hey, thank you. And because of this, we're going to do more of this because you, I, I was able to see the positive outcome from just your experience. Um, and I, the more school leaders can really uh, be intentional about that, the, the, the better and easier it will be to create spaces where voice is valued. Man, I'm man. I'm parents, uh, them parents will watch your blind spot for you. Like I I'm a witness, like, like, well, you know, some people, you know, you, you know, from secondary, What's the worst? I just remember my secondary days. What's the worst things you drag? Coming back off of a break sometimes because you don't know what social media drama is coming back in the building. Like, I remember that, but sometimes parents are like, drop it on your lap secretly. Like, Doc, I, I know it's Christmas break, but here's some stuff that's going on in the neighborhood. Just so you know. Yeah. Like, yeah, parents will watch your blind spot. Hey, I, and I will welcome it. We got, uh, we have uh, systems in which people can report things. Uh, we don't say anonymous anymore. It's confidential because I can, I, if it's something of safety or concern, I need to be able to get to you quick. I ain't trying to decode like, okay, who is this? Um, exactly. I, but, I like that. I, I like yeah, that one. I ain't got time to decode all that. Save me the time. Just if I need you, I need to find out who you are, but uh, man, I always tell people like, don't send me anonymous letters. Mm -hmm. I, I usually get three to four a month. Don't send me anything anonymous. If you going if you got the time to write it, you got your, the time to put your name to it so that we can have conversation. Because if it's something that I had no idea, I'm be like, yo, look, I, I did not know if I need to apologize for something. I have no problem apologizing for something. If I said, Hey, we messed up and hey, we messed up, then we need to figure it out. But, um, that's just like Coach Herm Edwards way. said, like Coach Herm Edwards said when he was with the Jets that time in that post conference, put your name on it. Put just, your, just, hey, just put your name on it. Put your name on it. Because what's helping me as a leader is me being able to look at that and be like, yo, you really upset. Mm. Nine times, almost 10 times out of 10, I'm going to give you the time of day. I'm exactly. going to sit down with you. I'm going to call you. I'm going to try to figure out how we make this work. We may get to a point of agreeing to disagree, but I'm gonna let you know I hear you. And with a building of three thousand kids, and all of these families and parents and so forth, people are like, do you have time? Yeah, I got time to do that. Um, I don't have the ability to bring people in during recess duty or or cafeteria <laughs> duty. Uh, that's that's another elementary thing. 
<laughs> that y'all love. Y'all y'all get parents to come in and plan parties with y'all to uh to assist teachers in reading books and setting up for this and that. Parents don't want to make it into high school. They don't want to come in, do no parties, no we ain't we ain't rocking like that. And I, I think that's why I'm I'm so big on creating parent voice because I I feel blessed for the uh, school I serve at because any any of my teachers they could put like coming back from break we come back on a Wednesday on that coming back from break they could put out a newsletter to their families like hey our classroom is short on these ten things within forty eight hours they got to send enough email like hey we got enough and we can- so <laughs> so my thing is we serving a community like that and I can't make the time for you to come in here nah like. I can't yeah. do I can't do my parents like that. I can't do them yeah. like that. <laughs> I've always been nervous, man, of putting something out like when uh when the pandemic was around and you know there was a shortage of, of like wipes and things of that <laughs> nature. Like we eventually found some stuff wholesale for our, our district, but there were a couple of times that I'm like, hey parents, like, hey, send your kid with some wipes. <laughs> I guarantee you, it's kind of like uh, boxes of tissue. You know, when you do that whole back to school list, everybody yep. bringing a box of tissue. And behind you, you got a wall, a mountain full of tissue. Uh, <laughs> if I did that in my building, man, we, we'd have we'd have a warehouse, man, full of stuff. Because uh, there's so many people that do want to give back. Because they feel like that's the only way they can give is like if you put out something like, hey, tell me what you need. And then, you know, they'll make it work. Yeah, um, oh man that's what's up right uh, there though oh my goodness man yo this conversation has been great man i it has. appreciate you uh you know being on the podcast being able to just rock with me um hey, delaware is a small state it very, is very small and um but the key piece of that is there's some great work that's going on um for you to be able to talk at the level in which you are being a, a, a second year principal and some of the things you've done, I've learned from some of the things I, I may even start a podcast just to give parents another outlet to be able to hear what's going on in the school uh, and, and continuing to create the narrative, um, you know, and, and tell That's the story true. of what's happening, man. So I, I appreciate you. Um, if people want to connect with you and, and hear more about what's going on in Delaware, just connect with you just as a leader, how can they find you? So Twitter handle is J-A Phillips, P-H-I-L-L-I-P-S, 0722. That's my wedding anniversary, so I always use that one behind the handle. And then um, my Instagram is Dr. J-A Phillips, 0722, as well as they can uh, find my podcast that just dropped this week, uh, the Squad Builder Podcast wherever you get your podcast they can they can hit me up in any of those areas but um i'm just glad to be here you you're doing some great work and checking out your episodes and i'm a fan i'm a fan hey hey thanks brother well i appreciate you so much man and uh we'll chat uh and chop it up real soon all right all righty thank you all right man take care you too this podcast is a proud member of the teach better podcast network better today better tomorrow and the podcast to get you there Explore more podcasts at teachbetter.com slash podcasts, and we'll see you at the next episode. Hey, what's up, listeners of Unapologetic Leadership? I want to thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Out of the thousands of podcasts that exist, I am greatly appreciative of the fact that you took the time to listen to this one. 
If you want to find out more about the work that I do, please visit me at drmarcusbeland.com. There you can find information about uh, professional development opportunities as well as keynote speaking opportunities. If you are planning a conference or a district kickoff or you would like me to come visit your school district, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. There's contact information there and I would love to come and visit and hang out with you. Again, thank you for listening to Unapologetic Leadership.